Welcome to Orchestrated Relationships, a podcast studying relational value. I'm David Homan, your host. Years ago, I formed a community of people called Connectors, people who have an innate ability to build and maintain authentic relationships across their personal and professional lives, and who thrive on making connections. The community was formed out of a need to develop a system and a methodology to help relational value be valued. And the most effective way I've found so far is to champion someone else, which is why I have in front of me, Melissa Rosenfield. Welcome, Melissa. Hi. So great to have you here. Now you are a cultural innovator in the luxury travel space and a social director rolled all into one. For me, you're a connector who brings an incredible network of tastemakers and people in luxury hospitality, fashion, lifestyle brands all together. Thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the impact of one of the projects you're working on and how we can help. So I think the project I would love to talk about today is uh, sustainability, which is obviously a very hot topic, but how we're doing it is um, we're working with a lot of clients and making that one of their verticals that they absolutely have to touch in some way. And I think with sustainability, people get overwhelmed with this idea that the planet's on fire and we need to recycle, but there are so many other ways to live sustainably. And so working with travel brands, fashion brands, there are such easy touch points that for customers and for brands to be more sustainable. And we're really trying to educate them and get them moving in that direction. So give us a sense of one of those tangibles that we could do today, a brand could do today to help benefit in a way that feels practical and actionable. So I think one of the biggest things we see with the conversation around sustainability and um, one of the kind of hardest barriers to entry is this idea of like you have to create a new product and it has to be made of organic this and ethically that. But what we don't realize is there's so much in our everyday lives and homes that we could already be more sustainable. We've seen brands like Rent the Runway in this renting economy. But even smarter than that is going back through your closet and picking out the things that you are going to wear and reinvent them. And then the other piece of it is taking the things that you're not going to wear and giving them a new life with someone else. And you can do that through selling it, through donating it, helping um, organizations like Dress for Success. So we work with our clients and an example of that right now is our client Go-Dot wanted to launch a Renew program and give back to women because her bags are designed for women on the go. And we thought about all the different ways to do it. Would she create a new bag that was less expensive that was a buy one, give one? That's creating more waste. Instead, we decided that we will take other people's bags. So as long as you have a lightly used tote bag, purse, something that a woman could wear to an interview, we will give them new life, we meaning her brand, and in exchange, we'll give you a new bag. And that's a way to look at sustainability that people sometimes forget. Um, but it's very easy. It's about giving new life to things. A big piece of sustainability, again, is this idea of sustainable being how long will it last? How many times can I use it? Can I take care of my things and keep them longer? Totally get that. I don't have any bags that I need turned into this, but... I'm sure um, you have other things. Very true. But my family and I proudly live in Jersey City in an old pencil factory. Actually, okay. where Ticonderoga pencils used to be made. How cool. See, like that's the normal response that you get when you say you live in a pencil factory as opposed to just a condo building somewhere. Yeah. And so now um, our building actually years ago is credited with launching the trend of people and people going, well, where do you live in Ithaca? Oh, an olive oil plant. Yeah. So there's this incredible opportunity for us to turn what was historic or old into something that is revalued. It's true. And I think we forget we all fall into this trap with fashion, with, you know, even the Tupperware in our house, all of these things, because we've built such a, 
you know, the last 50 years have been about efficiency and about having more things to make your life easier and having more things and buying new things. And I think of, you know, the famous quotes of editors and stylists in fashion magazines saying, if you love a t-shirt, buy 10 of them. You don't need 10 of the same t-shirt, even if you love it. Maybe buy two, treat them really well and wear them because you end up with eight other shirts that you never touch because you're in rotation with the same two. We're all like that. And do you so, think do you think we have a sense of the amount of waste that comes from consumption of something new? I don't. And I think it's a really interesting challenge for people who are entrepreneurs and founders as well. I studied a lot about conspicuous consumption in college, funny enough. It was something that had always made sense to me and I didn't know it had a name for it. Um, and I don't think we're aware because I think we've been so conditioned to have, you know, we live in a culture of have, 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 and there are so many people who don't have anything. So you say you don't have bags. Um, my mother just returned from a trip to the border where she was cooking meals and helping in the medical tents. And she said, Oh, we're going to bring down all this clothing. And they said, we actually don't need clothing. We need skinny clothing because people are walking long distances to get here. And I'm sure you have plenty of nice shirts and jeans that you don't wear. And I know a ton of people have clothes in their closet that are their skinny jeans that they're never going to wear that somebody down there would be so happy to have a lightly used piece of clothing that's not like a branded crappy t-shirt that you get from an event. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't need to create more of that. We need to think about the things we have, love them, wear them, and the ones that don't work for us anymore, give them to people who could use them. And that giving, it does more than just creating more space in your closet. In this case, for many of these people, it gives them their dignity. It gives them their dignity. It also gives them opportunity. So her reflections on the border, the one thing she said is every person down there and they're living in tents, and I'm not trying to get this to be a border conversation, but it, she said they all are clean. They're well, they're well dressed. You know, they're neat. The kids are all put together. They have their dignity. They want to be, you know, here and they want to do things. And so when we look at this bigger issue and I go back to this is a founder issue as a founder, you should always think to yourself. And we're jumping around a bit, and I'm sorry, but you know this is how my brain works. All conversations jump around a bit. None jump around more than when I talk with my wife, so do not worry. <laughs> um, as a founder, I think it goes in these kinds of steps. As a founder, when you think about creating a product, you really need to say, does the world need this product? Not do I need this product, and somebody else is doing it, but I want to do it better. But does the world need this product? Is this going to really solve a problem? Is somebody else doing this and I can go and help them solve the problem? Because that's a big thing, too, that we don't think about. We say we'll create our own and it's not to discourage founders. But think about how much you're putting into the universe, the earth, right? Like literal physical products. And then think about the things that you already have and how can you repurpose them and give people their dignity, give them opportunity you know, giving a nice handbag to a woman so she feels confident walking into a job interview and a nice dress and a great jacket that you haven't worn, that that makes her look so good in front of somebody else, the interviewer. They don't need to know where she's living. They don't need to know what her past is. It's giving her opportunity. And I think in this year, and I was writing some stuff this morning, journaling, and I was looking at the brands we work with, and I said, I'm so proud that the brands we work with stand for something bigger than creating a new product to sell to people, that they want to take these steps to give people back their dignity, give people opportunity, give back to the planet. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. Okay. I mean, what this is bringing back is, and this is actually now 22 years ago in my life, um, but I had the privilege, privilege of going to Cuba many years ago. Mm. 
And my close friend, my college roommate, and I were in this hotel. And we got a little drunk, well, more than a little bit drunk. And he told the band that was the best band I'd ever seen that I played piano. And this band just stops and they say, you must play with us. They asked me to play the Beatles. They asked me to play a whole bunch of jazz and things. So I started to play with them. And then we sat down around 3 a.m. And the couple um, of the band, the bassist was married to the singer. And they said, well, we can't talk much longer because we have to get home before we start our jobs in the morning. But it was such a pleasure to play with you. Like, this is how we make our money as artists playing in clubs. And I said, well, what do you do by day? And they said, well, one of us is a doctor and the other one is a lawyer. That's what I realized in other parts of the world, the value systems are different. Mm -hmm. The occupations are different. Mm -hmm. What is celebrated is different. Therefore, what we think is essential for our norm is simply a norm that's essential for our values, but not necessarily someone else's. I think that's beautifully said. And again, I go back to we've been so conditioned to have, you know, it's the the great story of the haves and the haves nots. But a doctor and what was his wife? A lawyer. A lawyer playing music because that's where their passion lies. And where they make a living. And where they make a living to feed their family is pretty incredible. And yet they still have to go work the next day. Exactly. Um, And I think you're right talking about how our, you know, we become so caught up in this like tiny little world that we live in. And the world is so big and our value systems are all so different and the things we treasure are so different. Um, But when you leave so much of the United States and see other countries, people are getting by with less, not because they can't have more, but because they don't value more and need more. Right. And not value more in the sense that like, of course people want nice things, but they don't need those 10 t-shirts. They're happy with one or two. Right. Now, you and I are both now parents. Yes. And you're a very new mother. So congratulations. Thank you. So one of the things that I told you before you had your child, and I think it was I was one of the last people you spoke with before. I saw you three days before. Life changed. But I said something to you that I know resonated because we prepped for this interview over tea the other week, and you told me this so I could be prepped for this podcast. But it, I, it goes like this, which was, I said to you clearly that when I had my first child, there was now, and there was just everything before. And everything before didn't matter as much. It gave me a perspective. So how has the perspective of becoming a new parent guided where you find the best impact and value? And how has that started to define the relationships you have with people around you? I think the way I translated that quote is it's, and the way I've applied it is you don't know the day your baby is coming. So the day before is your last day of being only responsible really for yourself. And because you don't know what it is, you don't know what that day looks like. Your day, for me, that day was walking through Central Park with my best friend. I had no idea the next day there was going to be a child. How it's impacted me is I realize I actually need a lot less. I was looking at my goals for last year, this morning, and looking at goals for this year. And they haven't changed dramatically. There are a few that are always going to be that trajectory. But there were things like, so silly now, like I wanted to get a really nice new handbag. And then I think about it and I'm like, I need less stuff, not more stuff. Right. The, there's one type of bag that you need. Yeah. Something that can easily hold diapers, <laughs> wipes, dirty diapers, yeah. and dirty wipes. Yeah. And 
have some sort of food yeah, at the for age the baby. of your baby yeah. that you realize is still fresh and good. Yeah. And besides that, yeah. it needs to be something is- that you can secure when you have to juggle a child going from one arm to the other while you're trying to. Exactly. You know. I'm very lucky because I have help with the baby. So I also need a bag for work. But it's just, you know, like my values have always been, I think my values have always been the same, but now it's this idea of looking out for the other person so much more. So it's like, is that expensive, fancy handbag going to change my life? Probably not. Do I need another bag? More things created in my closet. My house is smaller now that there's a third person in it. Probably not. Um, It's also in terms of connection specifically, I think my connection to both people and things has shifted. My what we do unless we're actually putting out fires chances are is not putting out fires and being able to say these are the hours with which i will work and these are the things that i'm okay with and these are the things that don't fall into that anymore i now feel more comfortable doing um and i've seen some relationship shift and i think that's okay i think we all need to shift and grow but having and having a child is a really great excuse for why you can't see yeah somebody but it's also a great not excuse. in any way that diminishes who they are, but simply you value time differently. And, and, and to that point, there's also, you know, for me, which, you know, I take him everywhere. If I can, I do. Um, because I think it's important for him to be out. He's young and that will change as he grows up. So how I value time and people to your point is being able to take him with me and see people that I know will be positive impacts in his life and creating those relationships from a young age is so important. But some of those other things that kind of didn't really matter before now really matter so much less. Totally get it. So I like to live my life by certain quotes. Yeah. And I learned yesterday while talking with my mother, which I do proudly every day, (laughs) and my father. But my mother knows how to answer the cell phone and my dad is still learning at 82. Love it. Um, I didn't realize that one of the quotes I lived by was the Dorothy Parker quote. Okay. She has a beautiful poem called Resume. Okay. All the lines up to the last line of the poem are about horrible things like razors and gas and all these horrible things in the world. And it ends with, might as well live. And I'm always somebody that looks at all of the challenges, all of the issues, all of the insanity that currently exists in this world. But I wouldn't make a choice not to be part of it. I wouldn't make a choice not to try to thrive in it. What I would make a choice to do is to make a difference in it. Because if you're staring something in the face that you know you are powerless to change, you have two choices. You can go away or you can face it. You might not conquer it, you might not solve it, but if you face it, at least you're doing something, at least you're living during it. I think you bring up two really good points and I'm gonna give you my quote in a second. The first is, for me, with work, with my career, it is so much fun. I always joke I'm a good time Charlie, which is, you know, I'm like the fun person with the fun brands and the fun things. But if you're not, you're right. People ask, I say it like this, I am all those fun things, but being fun means I can also make an impact and I should, because you're right, you might as well live. And and it's twofold. The other piece of that where I kind of want to like tie it full circle is, if you see now I'm going to change my quote. That's okay. That's okay. Oh my God. So this is the greatest quote ever I was watching. And and I think it works really well with what you said and it all will tie back. I feel so bad for your editor having to 
So we're, we're not, not editing my... any of this. Oh, this good. Is live and in the flesh. And I love it. So I was watching Venus Williams talk last year um, at this like really intimate thing and seeing Venus walk in all six foot one of her amazingness. And she said she lives by a quote that her sister told her, Serena. And I mean, these two women are like the like icon doesn't even Titans. begin. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't even absolutely. begin. Um, and Serena said to her, like, if you're going to show up, you play to win. Like, that's it. And I think that goes with your quote of might as well live, because like, if we're going to be here, people said to me, how can you bring a child into this world when like the earth is burning, politics are a mess, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, because it gives me hope that like, I want to do things that are impactful and I can teach a new generation to do things that are impactful. I'm not going to sit and watch the world burn. I'm going to do things that make sense. I'm okay saying no to projects that don't fit within those parameters. I'm okay saying to, you know, people connecting with me about things that don't make sense. Like this isn't what I want to do. If you can do it this way, I'm okay with that. And I'm also excited about connecting with people who are making a difference. And I think that's so important. So to your point of might as well live, mine is I'm here to win. I'm going to show up every day to win. And that's really what it comes down to for me. Um, and I think in terms of connection and like, you know, you and I met through a friend and you are so good at pushing people. And I was so excited you asked me to do this, but it is our responsibility to encourage other people to live and to win and to do the good things, not even the right thing, just good things. Absolutely. And I think with this, there's never been a circumstance on this planet. Somebody else hasn't already faced but there are an insane amount of situations where somebody tries to do something on their own and new, even for the right reasons, without having the benefit of that other experience. So for me as a connector, what I will often do is simply figure out where somebody has faced either adversity or had success. And when somebody else has gone through that, I will make sure they are introduced to share not just the experience of what they did, but what it took to get through that. And you it's another great point. It also is my original quote. So what I was going to say is my quote before Venus and Serena is Robert Evans, the Hollywood producer has a quote about everybody loves a comeback. I think it's from his book, the kid stays in the picture. And that is like always the other thing I live by. I show up to win and I remember that even my failures, people want to root for you. So if I do something and it doesn't work or it's an experience that I haven't been through before by connecting with people who have been through it or may know a way out, it's just another opportunity for me to come back. And I think we all need to remember that. Beautiful. Thanks. Well, it was so great to have you here on the podcast, Orchestrated Relationships. And thank you so much for being here, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope I didn't confuse your listeners too much about all the things I love. We'll but... see about that based on the ratings. <laughs> thank you for being here and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. On my next podcast, stay tuned for the exquisite Jenny Santi. As we discuss how connecting to animals and connecting to people needs a personal, intimate approach. We'll close this podcast with an excerpt from my work, Ori Movement 2, for four amplified cellos.
Thank you for listening to Orchestrated Relationships, recorded proudly at Smash Studios, edited by Stephen Bartlett. Stay tuned for our next episode.